Today we're reading Luke 1, 46 through 55. And Mary said, My soul glorifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. From now on, all generations will call me blessed, for the mighty one has done great things for me. Holy is his name. His mercy extends to those who fear him from generation to generation. He has performed mighty deeds with his arm. He has scattered those who are proud in their inmost thoughts. He has brought down rulers from their thrones, but has lifted up the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things, but has sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel, remembering to be merciful to Abraham and his descendants forever, just as he promised our ancestors. Amen. I love our Advent season and the fact that we get to hear scripture from children. It's just so sweet to hear the word read from their pure hearts. And as Russ said, we get to continue our Advent series this morning, The Missing Advent, a season of awaiting, anticipating the coming of Jesus. And when we have, when we celebrate Advent, we're also thinking about the gifts that Jesus brought when he came, hope, joy, love, and peace. We remember Mary and the fact that she was chosen to carry the Messiah. We wonder what it was like for Joseph to try to ignore the rumors and whispers of those talking about the growing belly of his new bride. But most of all, we celebrate Jesus and try to wrap our minds around what it must have been like for him to leave heaven to come to earth. Our minds will never be able to understand what that sacrifice was that he made for us. But today we wait between his birth and his second coming, anticipating his return and waiting to be rescued from the stress and cares of this world. And while we wait, we, we, we remember. We remember the gift of love that Jesus brought to us, the gift that seems to be missing so much during Christmas and something that we have been missing a great deal this year. And today we're gonna to talk about love, how it's missing and how do we get it back? Before we jump in, let's pray. Lord, I thank you so much for this time of Advent to remember your love and your peace and your joy and your hope. God, thank you for the honor and privilege to stand before your people today and to bring your message. God, I ask that I will step back and that the Holy Spirit will speak through me, that the message will be multiplied to everyone in their seats. God, but most of all, I pray that when this message comes to a close and we understand how love is missing and how they get it back, that it won't just be a message that we hear, but it will be an action that will cause us to move and to be your disciples in the kingdom. In Jesus' name, amen. Love, love is vital to our walk as Christ followers. And God is challenging us, he is demanding us to get it right because the world is watching. 
The first thing we need to do is we need to talk about what kind of love are we talking about today? There are different kinds of love. We talk about we love hobbies and food and inanimate objects. I love Snickers bars. I love ice cream. And the person that put them together was a genius. And I also love my husband, but he would be a little upset with me if my love for him was equal to my love for Snickers ice cream. So we're not talking about that small type of love. We are talking about agape love. Agape love is missing. And agape is a Greek word we find in the New Testament. It is the fatherly love of God for us as well as our love for him. It is unconcerned with the self and concerned with the greatest good of another. It requires faithfulness, commitment, and sacrifice without expecting anything in return. This is sacrificial love. It is the love that made Mary humbly accept the call to carry the Messiah. It is also the kind of love that made Joseph commit to wed a woman who was already with child. If you've grown up in or around the church, you've heard hundreds of times that Jesus loves you. You probably memorized John 3, 16, for God's love of the world that he gave his only begotten son. You probably saying Jesus loves me and Jesus loves the little children. We have heard Jesus loves you so many times that we have come, become numb to what it really means. For a lot of us, somewhere between childhood and now, our internal message has changed from Jesus loves me to Jesus loves me if. If I don't curse, if I don't smoke, if I don't drink, if I don't sin, whatever that blank is for you. Somehow and somewhere we began to believe the lie that God's agape love is conditional. But conditional love is not sacrificial love. When we read the Bible, we read story after story of Jesus loving those whose society sees as unlovable. The poor, the outcast, the lonely, the unbeliever, the broken, the other. So why have we added conditional to his love. In order to understand the selfless love that Christ came to model, we must look at his story and his life to understand what love looked like, lived out. What are we missing today? It is so interesting that the Bible doesn't give us much about the life of Mary after the birth story. We see highlights of Jesus being lost, of Jesus turning water into wine, and at the foot of the cross, we see Mary. But the Gospel of John spends almost a whole chapter talking about another woman. A story of a society very similar to ours today, a culture divided by race. It was Jews versus Samaritans, and they were in this big feud that lasted hundreds of years. They could not stand each other. And at one point, the feud got so big that one destroyed one's temple, and so the other des desecrated the other. It was bad. But in the middle of this feud comes Jesus, a Jew. And he came to teach that it isn't commitment, that it is commitment and mercy of God that allows us to be God, his sons and daughters, not our works. He came to tell us that his love and grace are extended to all, no matter their 
ethnicity. So in John chapter 4 is one of the greatest examples of agape love, a story which the Father's selfless, faithful, committed, and sacrificial love is on full display. So in verse 5, we, hear, we see that Jesus is on a journey, and he stops because he is tired at a well. It seems like a normal place to rest, but he is waiting for his appointment to arrive. A Samaritan woman comes carrying her empty pitchers of water at noon, and she is all alone. This is a very communal culture, and so it is odd for a woman to be alone because women always come to the well together, but usually in the morning or at night when the sun is set a little bit and it's not as hot. So why is this woman all alone in the heat of the day? Jesus knew. So she begins to draw her water, and she is shocked that a Jewish man is asking her for a drink. Remember the feud? Jews do not speak to Samaritans, and they definitely do not drink after them. Jesus, the son of the living God, the perfect lamb, broke the rules of his day to show this woman sacrificial love. He tells her, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that is asking you, you would be asking me for living water. In verse 13, he continues saying, everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of, of water welling up to eternal life. She desperately needs this water. Where is it? How do I find it? Go get your husband and come back, and I'll tell you all about it. She hangs her head in shame, and she says, I have no husband. And Jesus proceeds to tell her, you are right, you don't have a husband. You've had five, and the man you're living with is not your husband. But as he continues to speak to her, she is astonished. There is no humiliation in his tone. There's no judgment in his eyes. She didn't feel shame as he spoke, only empathy and compassion coming from his lips. There was something different about his voice. How could he know all of this about her? He must be a prophet. So she proceeds to tell him, I know the Messiah is coming and he will tell us everything. He will right the wrongs, he will heal the cultural division, and he will bring honor where there is shame. Once he comes, everything will be made whole. Then in verse 26, Jesus tells her, I, the one speaking to you, I am he. Can you imagine her face? The chills running through her body. She knew there was something different about him. Could this really be the Messiah? The one she's been waiting for her whole entire life. The one that would restore her shame and the disgrace of her people. If this was truly the Messiah, it would change everything. At this moment, the disciples came back. And they were astonished and shocked that Jesus was talking to a woman. Their Jewish teacher was talking to a Samaritan. She ignored their stares and their silence. She didn't care. This had to be the Messiah by the way he showed concern for her suffering, the way he understood her loneliness and rejection, the, very, the way his very presence lifted her and made her feel seen and known. 
she dropped her water jar and ran to town to tell everyone. In verse 29, come see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Messiah? She experienced agape love for the first time. Selfless, faithful, committed, sacrificial, concerned for the greatest good of another. That day she became an evangelist and told everyone she saw. It didn't matter that she was telling the very people that cast her out of society, the reason why she was at the well alone, the people that didn't look her in the eye. She had been changed by love that day and she wanted everyone to experience what she felt. They saw the joy in her eyes and the enthusiasm in her voice. Something happened to this woman and they needed to know more. There was a man at the well that would change everything and it didn't matter that he was a Jew. There were three types of people at the well that day. There was Jesus who came to show her faithful and committed love. There was a woman that received that love. She arrived broken but left loved and forgiven. And there were the disciples who were surprised that Jesus was talking to a woman. Did they look down on her because they were Jew and she was Samaritan, an outcast? The disciples had experienced faithful love, but did they know how to pass that love on to others? Out of these three, which one are you? Love is missing today because there seems to be more Christ followers who are living and loving like the culture dictates instead of like Jesus. We are known more for what we are against than what we are for. We are known more for our views on politics than the story of how God changed our lives. Maybe you can't place yourself in this story because you have never experienced the kind of love we're talking about this morning. But like the woman at the well, we all have felt shame, loneliness, and despair. But have you experienced God's radical love and forgiveness? A love that is so life-altering, you have to share it with your friends and your enemies. Do you really understand that his love is not conditional. It is not based on your perfection. He sees you right where you are and knows exactly what you are doing, what you are going through. He came to show us selfless, sacrificial love. Like the Samaritan woman, he knows my story. He knows the tears I've cried over the racial divide in the American church. He understands my exhaustion of having to stand in front of others to defend my worth as an African-American female, just as a Samaritan woman had to confidently face the looks and silence from the disciples. He knows I felt what I felt like having to prove to others that God loves my people, that he knows us and he weeps with us. I always cry, jeez. <laughs> he knows the confusion and hurt I felt from Christians who consistently lack empathy and compassion for our story. He knows and he sees. 
He understands the heartache I felt talking to people who are questioning their faith, who have walked away because the words they read in this book are not being lived out by the people who claim to follow Christ. Selfless love is missing. Jesus modeled to us what it looks like to love people no matter their ethnicity, to have empathy and compassion for others even if we don't fully understand, to have concern for the greatest good of the other without expecting anything in return. Truly following in the footsteps of Christ is the only way we can get love back. Maybe you empathize with this woman because you're struggling with an addiction that is keeping you from experiencing living water. Maybe you're in a marriage that is falling apart and no one knows and you're drowning in the silence. Maybe you feel empty because this year has wrecked you financially and you have no idea how you're going to get it back. Maybe you've lost a loved one and the holidays which used to be so vibrant and full of joy have become so dark. Jesus is with you. What brings you to the well today? What do you need from your father? He is waiting for you. Agape love is the father's love for you and your love for him. Do you love him? Have you laid down your own plans to follow him? Have you accepted his grace and unconditional love for you? God has given us community. He's given us brothers and sisters in Christ who will walk with us, who will be that tangible agape love in our lives. Some of you are asking, where are they? I've been searching for them. We are right here. Sometimes it takes a community to bring us to the well. Let us be that community for you. Jesus modeled that for us as he walked with the disciples, as they did life together, as they laughed together and cried together. If you're in need of community, please reach out. Fill out a communication card in your seat or in the comment stream, write the word community, and we will get you connected. Community is vital to experience and understand God's agape love. It is our job as a church to be there for you, for one another, to walk with you through whatever you are going through, the highs and the lows. You are loved, you are seen, you are known. God gave us two of the greatest commandments. Jesus says, love God and love your neighbor. If we love Jesus truly and deeply, if we have experienced his agape love, then we will love those he loves. The broken, the lonely, the wounded, the oppressed, and those who don't look like us. Christ has given us an example of sacrificial love, and we as his followers are to model that love to everyone 
around us. Those who are rich, poor, whole, broken, hurting, searching, Republican, Democrat. Agape love is unconditional. When we learn to pass on this agape love, the love that we have received, then and only then can love be restored. Then and only then can we get love back. My prayer for us today as the church, as the body of Christ, as those who claim to be Christ followers, is that from this day forward, we will vow to live out agape love. A love that is faithful, committed, sacrificial, a love that is asks for nothing in return. Then we will make it our mission to tell others, come meet the man who knows everything about me and loves me anyway. He is the Messiah. This is the only way we can begin to experience this kind of love on earth as it is in heaven. The kind of love that sustains us in the in-between as we remember Christ's birth and we wait for his second coming. It is what the world so desperately needs. Not just at Christmas, but every day of our lives. We have to get this right because the world is watching and the world is waiting. I'm going to leave us with Jesus' words in John chapter 13, verse 35. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Let us be his disciples. Let's pray. Lord, thank you so much for your reminder this morning. Your conviction that we haven't been getting it right. That the reason love is missing today is because we have not been walking in your shoes. Our love for others has been conditional. And it's been selfish. God, please forgive us. It is our job to be your hands and feet. It is our job to bring others to the world. God, thank you for reminding us that agape love, the love you're calling us to is faithful, it's committed, it's selfish, it is unconditional, it is sacrificial. God, from this day forward, may we receive the vow to be your hands and feet, to our community, to our city, and to our world. In Jesus' name, amen. Christmas Eve.